Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Maps Week, we look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map Food Editor Eric Sandler. I have Gary Mosley from The Creek Group coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She is a beverage expert and bar consultant who has created the cocktail programs at a number of successful Houston bars and restaurants. We follow her on Instagram at klindahtx. Linda Salinas, welcome back to the show. How are you? Oh, you know, just living my best life. <laughs> uh, we should say you are on the road. Uh, so if there's any, we apologize in advance for any issues with the audio quality. Uh, and, you know, drive safe while we're talking about this stuff. Oh, you got it. I, I'm hands-free. I'm not looking at anything other than the road and going to my next destination. <laughs> Yeah. Both both feet on the floor, two hands on the wheel as the Sunvolt line goes. Yes, that's it. All right. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Benji Levitt announced that he has closed Benji's, his restaurant in Rice Village, and it will convert it into an expanded local foods market. Uh, local foods has been selling produce, meat, seasoning, spices, wine, all kinds of stuff since the start of the pandemic. So they're going to expand that uh, in the Benji space with a much larger selection, more prepared items, more grab and go, all that stuff. Linda, let me, let me throw it to you. Do you have any thoughts on the end of Benji's? Uh, after all, this is a restaurant that had been in Rice Village for uh, almost 25 years. You know, I'll be honest with you. It's kind of sad that such an iconic restaurant finally has, has, you know, shuttered its doors. But like, I love the local food brand. Counter service, great ingredients. And then, you know, like the fact that I, I can go there now and buy like the milk bars cookies in there. Like, I think it's like a mini, a mini central market. Like, well, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you about that. So you've shopped these local foods markets. I do actually. What do you buy? Um, snacks. <laughs> of course. Snacks. Um, it's like it's my it's about it's like it's one of my love languages is snacks, and so I like buying things there that are kind of like one off or condiments or pickles or hot sauce. And they're always very well curated. And I know that they've decided to, to focus on supporting local. And so I really like, you know, chips or pita, you know, or just different like little kitschy little things that like most of the time you'll only see them at, you know, world market after they've gone with large distribution. Or you'll see like super niche jellies, you know, jellies and jams after the, you know, because they're like really wonderfully curated like selections in Central Market, but sometimes you don't get that there. So I like I like how kind of niche it is there. And I think in all honesty, like right now, personally, the holidays are coming. Instead of like buying a gift card to a restaurant that you don't necessarily know whether or not you're gonna, they're going to be open and so on and so forth, I think creating creating an experience at home with those ingredients is a good way of like managing expectations and supporting local. So I don't know. I mean, that's kind of my, like, I really love what they're doing. So, I mean, awesome for the brand 
sad emoji, that no more badass happy hour in the upstairs. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, many years ago, I, I used to occasionally drink at the Kelvin Arms, which is the kind of British pub uh, right next to Benji's or now soon to be local foods. And it was always hilarious, especially if you were there at happy hour, you know, you'd be sitting at the bar drinking like a pint of bass or whatever. And, you know, well-dressed West U types would sort of walk in, look confused, and then realize that they had gone through the wrong door, right? Like they meant to go to Benji's. Uh, We always got a little chuckle out of that. Um, Yeah, it was a happy hour destination. And uh, I mean, a year ago, they kind of redid all their menus. Uh, they worked with Seth Siegel Gardner, who was one of the chefs at the Passive Provisions, you know, to make things more shareable. They were doing these like super cool, um, like tortellini, I think, that had uh, uh, Blood Brothers brisket in them. I mean, just like some really fun, shareable stuff. Uh, but I, I just don't, you know, I think if they're, you know, and Benji acknowledged this, you know, they're kind of looking towards the future. You know, things are getting a little more casual you know, the, the market has been successful for a whole bunch of reasons, uh, including that there isn't a grocery store in Rice Village. There's a lot, a lot of grocery stores near it, but there isn't one like directly in Rice Village. And so, you know, they want to they concentrate on where they're being successful. They're taking advantage of this dining trend. I guess, let me, let me just, we'll, we'll put a pin in this with, with one other thought. I mean, do you is there any other restaurant in Houston that could kind of make this move? Or do you think like, this is, this isn't a trend. This is just like a very specific set of circumstances for local foods. I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a set of circumstances. You know what I mean? There's a lot of restaurants that are, are pivoting and Benji's always supported like really great ideas. And he's always hired really smart people to, to be at the helm of a lot of, of a lot of like, programs, programming that they've done in the past. So, you know, the fact that they closed the diner concept on Washington was kind of like, oh, wow. But as you can tell, like, the local brand has done very well. It's always packed. You know, I mean, obviously not now, but pre-pandemic, like, you know, there was a, like, I love, like, how simple and satisfying that concept was, you know? You know, I think, uh, I think last week Felice said local foods is my jam. So you're in you're in good company with that, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right, right? Instead of tortellini and brodo, you know, other kind of like even like avocado toast, right? That doesn't necessarily travel well. You know, the classic had a Dutch baby pancake. You know, that's only as good as as long as it's hot on the plate. But but sandwiches, salads, roast chicken, roast fish. I mean, that those are things you can you can take with you and and eat off site. I mean that that's really suited to our our moment very well. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think I think their their branding is uh, has done really well, you know. Yes, and then let us move on to topic number two. Just uh, a couple of openings I kind of want people to be aware of. Let's start with Tiger Sugar. This is a boba tea concept from Taiwan. They are best known for their brown sugar milk, which is basically like a super sweet caramelized beverage with little boba tapioca balls that are dunked in brown sugar uh, before they go in the milk. And you could also get them in tea, but they're really known for this milk. And they squirt this like caramel sauce on the sides of the cup and it makes tiger stripes. And you have to take a picture of it before you, you shake up the milk to integrate the syrup and make the stripes disappear. 
Linda, you like delicious things and you like going to Chinatown. Will you go to Tiger Sugar to try their brown sugar milk? I'll be honest with you. I'm loving all the Taiwanese stuff that's coming into Chinatown. There's, I've been to that boba tea shop. Um, actually, Chris Wang from Ninja Ramen is a big uh, food hound, and he he took me there. There's all, you know, I, I I love like how like simple, simple and like almost like texturally, they just do really 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 well thoughtful things. They and they make their own. They make some of their own tapioca tapioca things. They do this like really good bean curd uh, tapioca, and I, 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 if there's something that's like Taiwanese, go check it out because it's always like a really pleasant surprise. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, and then uh, all right, opening number two, Casa do Brasil, which replaced Tango and Malbec near the Galleria, which is very important uh, to my Gal Media colleagues because it's right next to our office, and that was a huge happy hour destination for my colleagues. It's a new churrascaria. They have a location in College Station. Uh, Linda, is there is there anything that will get you to another Brazilian steakhouse? That's just not my jam. Sorry. Sorry. Not sorry. That's just not, that's not my jam. I'm just not a meat eater like that. I'm, I, I lead more other, other fare. But I'm sure there's a lot of wonderful, fit people in the Galleria, you know, that are, uh, are going to love those options. I mean, I know paleo is still a thing, correct? Uh, I don't know. Question mark, question mark. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I'm sure I'm sure it's great for, for other people, but I've literally only been to like two trust in like 12 years. It's just not my cup of tea, per se. You know, I mean, the, the, I will say the pictures look really good. You know, I'm I'm always sort of intrigued. I I I used to really love that style of dining, and and every now and then I just want that like all of the meats. You know, the Ron Swanson, give me give me all the meats with a side of meat. So yeah, I think I think I will make my way to this, especially because it's so close to the office. Uh, once yeah, we're uh, that'll that'll be in the rotation, and then uh, finally opening opening number three. So topic number two, subpart three. Del Vista Local Bar and Grill, come back for Greg Gordon, who was the chef at La Vista. That was a Briar Grove staple for many, many years. He moved to Lazy Brook Timber Grove. Uh, it closed within a year. He had to kind of wander in the wilderness. He worked for Bill Floyd at Portovino. Uh, and now he's back doing his own thing in the, in the space that used to be the Dell. So right next to Killen's SDQ. Uh, right next to Regal's Barbecue, uh, Linda, had you are you familiar with La Vista? Are you intrigued by the Greg Gordon comeback? You know that it's funny you say that. Um, you know, before I ever got into the wine business, and one of their biggest one of the biggest draws for La Vista was always their BYOB. But it wasn't just so that we could just bring our own wine. I loved how unctuous some of the dishes that they that chef. Did. And it was like really great. Must love like how family style that style of dining. And I always used to bring like my suppliers in to meet with clients and so on and so forth. So it was really sad to hear that they they had decided to change their their 
you know, their location, their, their locale, and like their business. Because like, really, in all honesty, I mean, we we saw Jonathan Thorub when we moved when we moved one location to another and opened up another one. Who had to come in with a different uh, expanse on things. Um, I'm really excited to see what they have, you know, as far as the new shop. Yeah, I, I will say one thing that's got me really intrigued is that Greg, you know, when he was at Portovino, he worked alongside Danny Trace from Patente, who kind of consulted on that menu and helped put it together. And Greg gives Danny a lot of credit for sort of teaching him some new tricks in regards to like brining and preserving and seasoning and smoking and all of that. And so, you know, there's all these like little subtle twists apparently in all the dishes. And so for fans of La Vista, it's good news because all of your favorites are on the menu and they should taste better. And for people who maybe thought like it was too old school or, or wasn't uh, to their liking, this might be a good chance to go give it another chance because it it should be improved. Yeah. Sounds great. When, uh, when are they, when are they opening? It's open right now. Oh, wow. Okay, it's been well. open for, it's been open for a couple of weeks. So that is, uh, that is a thing that is happening. I've been, I've been a busy gal. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. All right. Um, Linda, I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. So, Linda, for our restaurant of the week, I want to talk to you about the Sporting Club. This is a new restaurant from the So Clutch Group. Uh, they are best known for their Washington Avenue bars, Clutch, Concrete Cowboy, and The Sugar Room. But they're very specific about the sporting club being a restaurant. And towards that end, they have hired E.J. Miller, uh, formerly of Riel, formerly of Salt Air Seafood Kitchen. And most prominently, he was the chef at International Smoke, the Michael Mina and Aisha Curry restaurant in City Center. So Linda, let me let me just throw it to you. What did you think of our visit to the sporting club? In all honesty, that thing is a monster. It's gorgeous. The drinks are beautiful. The space is beautiful. For me personally, it almost makes me a little sad that they didn't drop that in Lake River. Because I don't think it gets an I don't I don't think it's gonna get an it's not that it's not going to get enough love. It's going to get plenty of love. But I want everyone to try that Pukatini, you know. And, and, like, the food is really good. The drinks are really good. Um, I hope that people go to go check it out as, like, a, as a restaurant destination because it absolutely is. We had a lot of really great dishes, um, wings. I mean, just it's not just regular bar food. It's very, it's very well manicured venue. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I've been thinking about that a lot. I mean, I, I will say I agree with you. We had a lot of really delicious dishes. I would say that the dishes that I liked the best were the chicken wings and the cheeseburger and the ceviche and the steak frites. So I would say three out of those four 
are dishes that I would sort of classify as kind of uh, very well executed bar food. And I do kind of think people are going to use it more like a bar than a restaurant. It's got the, the big TVs, you know, over the bar for, for sporting events. It's got that huge patio. And, you know, we were there, you know, we were there at, at their invitation. They asked us to be there early at four o'clock. So we didn't interfere with uh, the dinner rush and they could kind of concentrate on us, you know, and it kind of lingered, you know, six o'clock happy hour. They had already started to turn up the music. They were setting up uh, you know, a big balloon display for somebody's birthday party. It definitely feels, it feels more like a bar or a lounge than an upscale restaurant, at least based on our, our visit and sort of my, my own impressions. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's interesting that that group has really evolved. It's evolving into, um, even though, I mean, I know that this, the sporting club was like before the pandemic started. So the fact that they were wanting to give more layers to their concept, you know, I think is a super smart move. Because I think longevity-wise, um, you know, I, I've opened a few bars in my day and... You know, like there's only there's only so much longevity that a, a bro bar has. But I think that starting a concept that's like not only beautiful as far as like Instagram worthy, but having really great details. I know the ladies of Libation uh, worked quite, you know, worked pretty, uh, uh, pretty fiercely on getting getting, you know, frozen salad and cocktails right, you know, all that good stuff. So um, they're they're, they're, they're moving in the right direction, I think, for an evolving crowd, you know? So, um, obviously, the clutch, you know, that they originally, they first started with, which is, uh, you know, just a few blocks over, is, is very sports bar, you know, lots of TVs, you know, lots of caps, so on and so forth. And to see such a big difference in that um, is refreshing, I think. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, well, let me, let me put it to you like this, right? If, if we're looking at sort of bar and nightclub owners opening restaurants, we have, we have the sporting club and then we have Bisu, which is owned by the same people that own Clay and uh, Hart and Spire. That's in River Oaks District. That's also been uh, very buzzy, very successful since it opened. If you had to choose, right, if you're like, I don't know, a bachelorette party or a big birthday party or, or some sort of occasion where you want like a high energy environment, but you still want good food. Would you go to the sporting club or would you go to Bisu? Sporting club all day, all day every day. Like, you know what, it, you know what it reminds me of? The sporting club, the sporting club is if a boozy in River Oaks had a cute cousin. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. steal that. All right. Yeah. Um, did you, you have a couple of recommendations for people of dishes that they shouldn't miss? I mean, it, it, everything's really good. I, I, those wings are, the wings are awesome. The, uh, that hot dog, hot dog is ridiculous. Obviously. It's a, it's a, a lobster roll top with pickled mustard seeds and caviar. So yeah, that's pretty. Yeah. Weird. Ridiculous. And, um, the dessert, which are probably everybody's too busy, probably Instagramming there, but like uh, they do, uh, 
uh, Campari donut hole, which is fun. Um, totally fun. And yeah, so there's there's a lot of like little fun stuff. Um, the cheeseburger was very good, but it is no it is no EJ's from Brazil cheeseburger. <laughs> like that's that's my that's my that's my cheeseburger right now. Yeah, no, I I've talked about the the Brazil cheeseburger uh, on this show and on a recent episode of Houston Matters, and and yes, I mean we. I mean, I'm sure EJ's gonna choke me when he sees me. He's like, "How could you say the about that about me?" You know, I'm just I'm not saying that it's not bad. It's very good. It's a very good cheeseburger. We we it's should say EJ, EJ Miller's cheeseburger at the Sporting Club is a very good cheeseburger. Uh, AJ Eads cheeseburger at Brazil is just slightly better. But the fries are better, by the way, EJ. <laughs> oh yeah, the fries are definitely better. Yeah, the fries are better at the Sporting Club. Yeah, yeah. Just, just in case, just in case EJ is listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Linda, I'm going to say that does it for our restaurant of the week. All right, Brad. Thank you very much. Drive safe, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Hey, talk to you soon. Bye bye. All right, and I will be right back with Gary Mosley. I am joined this week by the founder and owner of The Creek Group, the highly successful local restaurant group behind Onion Creek, Cactus Cove, Piggies, many more. Gary Mosley, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, how are you, Eric? Good to hear from you and good to see you. And hello, Texas. Good to see you. Thanks for doing this. Uh, I know I shorted you on like several concepts. So what are what are some of the ones that I'm... I'm missing. Okay. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you said Onion Creek, which was the first one. That's right. And then we had Dry Creek. Uh, we had Canyon Creek, Cedar Creek, Piggies, and Cactus Cold. So I, I always like to start these interviews kind of at the beginning. How did you get into the restaurant business? What What inspired you to open Onion Creek? Well, in college, uh, I waited tables at Washington, D.C. and Georgetown. Uh, it was always fascinating to see the people and the amount of people that come through that door. And you have this one guy that was serving these people. And to see the faces, the smiling faces that you can offer them. So I did many restaurants. Got my experience there in Washington, and, and then I came back to Houston, Texas, and started working in restaurants. And then from there, I decided, you know, why not? Let's start one on our own. How did you sort of settle on the Heights? Because, I mean, Onion Creek's been there for a long time, and the Heights wasn't what it was then that it is now. Well, uh, back in 99, I moved from uh, Montrose. I uh, came to the Heights in 99. Uh, one day, well, one night, I got up and said, hey, I want to go have a drink. I want to have a, some lunch, dinner. Uh, it wasn't nothing. I said, oh, my God, it's nothing here. And I was going back to Montrose, coming back to the Heights, going back and forth. And I said, you know what? You know, I will call other uh, restaurateurs to see if they wanted to come to the Heights and open up uh, businesses. And no one wanted to take the time to come here. 
So I say, you know what? I'm going to start it on my own. I'm going to start a restaurant here because I think Heights deserve a place that they can call their own. And uh, so that's when we formed uh, Onion Creek. Yeah. How would you, I mean, obviously you've been, you've been highly successful. How would you sort of describe what makes a Creek group establishment? Uh, what makes a Creek group establishment? Meaning the atmosphere? Yeah, you have like a vibe. And, and oh. people seem to really like hanging out at your places. Well, I think it started from me uh, attending uh, school in uh, St. Marcus, St. Marcus Baptist Academy. And from there, being in high school and going to Austin and hanging out and partying and just checking out the vibe that the people had and how happy they were, uh, that stuck with me. And living in the Heights, it hit the nail. I mean, you, it, it kind of reminds you of being in the Hill Country when you're living in the Heights. It was just a sleepy town. And uh, so it made it easy for me to come up with a concept that was from my heart. Yeah. And then talk about a little bit, kind of how the Heights has evolved. I mean, there's a lot more competition now than there was when you started. How do you sort of stay ahead of the game and, and kind of keep people engaged? Just be natural, just be yourself. You know, we've been here since 99, 2002, and uh, we have grown and we see many restaurants come and go. And, you know, you just you have to be fair to the customers. You have to be, you know, natural with the customers. And once they get that feel from you, they always will return. And that's what's important is just being yourself. Would you say that, that being yourself, that's kind of your business philosophy? Yes. You know, you, you hire staff that's a melting pot. That's foremost important. Uh, you hire people that are happy, that want to, you know, be there. That's important. And you just make everyone that patronize your location that they feel at home. What would you say are kind of the influences that kind of shape those, uh, that shape that philosophy for you? Uh, meaning other establishments? Well, or the, the experiences in your life, maybe, or or, yeah, the other establishments that, you know, kind of the whole picture. Well, you know, not only I was raised in Houston, I was also raised in little towns, little small towns that had the small feel. For instance, uh, at the time when uh, I was building Cedar Creek and State Acres, there was nothing over there. And it felt really, really like one of my hometowns growing up in the country. I remember I said, you know what, this is feeling really good over here. Let's uh, do a fire because I always love to smell the smoke of a fire, right? And then after we got open, I came to get my fire pit, and the company said, no way, you're going to leave that here, and it stayed there. So now you see fire pits all over town now. Yeah, I mean, that whole area of Shady Acres has really become like a – I mean, it's not quite midtown maybe in terms of, of bar life, but it's – it's pretty eclectic. I mean, it's, it's pretty busy. Yes. There's, there's a lot of new changes that are coming. Uh, there's been many bars over there. Uh, restaurants have opened. Uh, if you go down Shepherd and Dorm, they have spilled out into those areas. 
the heist is changing. I mean, there's just so much stuff that's going on over here, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited for my community uh, because we were on the last totem pole in the city. So now we are recognized as a true neighborhood uh, concept, establishments, uh, housing that we are so proud of what we're seeing that's actually being erected right now. Do you think there's room for even more growth in the Heights or, or are you looking kind of beyond the Heights for, for what's next for you? Uh, I think I'm going to stay quiet. Uh, there's room to grow here in the Heights, obviously. Um, you have Garden Oaks, which is where everyone is heading towards. Um, so there, there's a lot of room. Do you have any uh, future projects in mind or are you, you sitting tight for right now? I'm going to sit tight for right now uh, just to see where this pandemic is going to carry us. And uh, once I know something, uh, the first quarter, um, I possibly will rethink and do something. I mean, you of maybe many other operators would seem to be pretty well positioned for COVID just because all of your places have such nice patios. How are you faring and, and what has your experience been like? Uh, well, we're faring okay. Uh, consider that the weather stays nice. Uh, we're okay. Um, I think once the winter time comes, this could be a little hiccup. I don't know yet. You know, the weather is always changing in Texas, but having the outside seating helps very much. Would you say you're feeling optimistic or, or pessimistic? Optimistic. You got to always have a, a good, a good mindset, you know, you got to think positive, and that's the key in staying in this business. We're all going to fail. You know, we're all going to scrape our knees, but you just get up, you know, be cordial, and just keep moving. Yeah, let me, let me ask you a little bit. Uh, I know that you, in addition to, to operating restaurants, you've also acquired some property. I mean, I, you're, you know, you, you leased the Dry Creek space to – Bobby Hugel and Justin Yu for Better Luck Tomorrow. You've got that property down in Montrose that was that was Night Heron and is going to be 93 Till. When did you sort of start deciding that you wanted to own property in addition to leasing them? Well, I started owning property. I started in real estate back in 97. I started acquiring real estate. Um, then as we moved forward, I was doing a lot of residential. And then once I started Onion Creek, it just kind of took off from there. Uh, the renting part is always good. It's always not, you know, not to have everything in one basket. So uh, it is less headache also, you know. And there, there's a lot of companies out there who want to have so many stores. And when you have so many stores, you tend not to give them what you need. And that's a lot of care. So uh, I think we have enough right now and whatever. One other thing, let me back back a little bit. A lot of these properties that I have been acquiring is because we have been known to knock down landmarks for so many years. When they got rid of the Astroworld, that was sad to me. Uh, The Diamond Shamrock Hotel, that was very sad. So uh, in retrospect, like, Piggies, where Daily Review was. They were going to knock that down and put a high rise. So a lot of these areas are really 
you know, too hard to me. So I try and save them. And I wish a lot of the other competitors would save some of these properties also. So for you then, it's it's not just about an opportunity to make money, but there's also like a, a civic preservation element to, to some of what you're doing. Yes. Yes. For the next generation. You know, um, I just got back from North Carolina and, you know, it's, it's a beautiful state. They love their trees. I love trees. And I think we were headed and we're kind of there, you know, being called a concrete city. So to me, it's very important that we can save many trees, plant many trees, and save these historical buildings. And I think, you know, Houston will be more respected as a, uh, a good city. Yeah. Um, and then just from like a kind of like a culinary and, and, a, and a beverage perspective, like what is it? Or, I mean, because you've never had like a, you know, like a big name chef or anything like how would you sort of describe your, your approach to food and drinks at your, at your various concepts? Easy, simple and easy. Comfort food. We're Texan. That's all you need. A great burger, right? That's the key. A great burger. <laughs> and then I, I understand that you were, uh, that Mayor Turner asked you to be involved in, in some review of the permitting process for the city. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, I was the chairman of the permit department uh, in the transitional team. So my job was to identify things that we can improve on in permanent and uh, just just kind of do a 360, you know, and, and getting things out easier, uh, inspectors uh, working with you, you know, and I see that. I, I, I see sometimes when I, I get an inspection, uh, I get a, hello, how are you doing? As opposed, what are you doing? You know? So, uh, also when I go in, you know, I, I get help, you know, they, they, they're there to help you now, as opposed then, you know, Hey, go get your architect to do that. You know? So we're making some changes. I'm pretty happy with what the mayor has been doing for the last years or so. So, uh, it's going to get better. And, um, that was a uh, really fulfillment enjoyment that I had with the mayor. Yeah. I, I mean, I've talked to so many restaurateurs, you know, one inspector comes in and signs off on something and then a different inspector comes back two weeks later and goes, no, no, that's wrong. You got to fix it. Right. I mean, how do we get them on the same page so that we, you know, if nothing else, just give people a consistent set of answers. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. I, I totally agree. Uh, Sometimes, you know, you do make mistakes, but you want to be safe out there. You want to make sure that the customer is going to provide a safe environment. And inspectors, you know, they are human too, you know. So uh, I think one of the things that uh, we probably need to do, if it, once it goes into the computer and the inspector inspect it, you know, give a guideline why you inspected it. This is my feedback. And then if another inspector comes, they see that and then they have to move forward. But again, inspectors are human beings and they do make mistakes. And so sometimes you do have to make those corrections. And then have you, were you able to work with them on maybe expediting the process a little bit? Cause I know that's another, that's another big concern for people. Well, that was another step. That's another department. Uh, I gave my, advice on that and they you know there's another department that was working on that one okay 
Um, so maybe what are the one or two changes that you're the most proud of that you were able to, to help the mayor implement? Ah, well, the inconsistency, you know, as you spoke, I, I think that gotten better, you know, more than 50%. I, uh, I think, you know, back then, I think the city was ran on an iron fist. Now it's a handshake, you know, and hello, how are you doing? And that goes a long ways when you have that type of partnership with an inspector. So uh, that was one of the things that I really barked on that we need to make a change. And we have. Yeah, I, I mean, because, you know, we saw, I don't know if you saw the media reports or if you, you know her, but, you know, poor Rebecca Masson at Fluff Bake Bar. It's like they, they signed off on everything and then they, they came back a few months later and said, oh, no, this, you, you know, you're missing a permit or something has to be redone. She was shut down for three months. Oh, wow. I didn't hear about that. Huh. Yeah, but it, but it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like you, you've been able to affect some positive change. Yeah, uh, we have. Uh, you know, a lot of people do call me and ask for advice. And, you know, I try to do the best I can to direct them to different departments that will help them. And uh, the outcome has been, been good. Yeah. What are you, so, so when someone calls you for advice about, about a permitting issue, like what do you, what do you tell them typically? Well, I, I tell them what department to go to, who they need to talk to. If it's a supervisor, uh, you know, I would give them their number to talk to them and they're able to help them. And then do you, uh, do you see yourself being involved in other work with the city? I mean, it, you know, you're, well, you're kind yeah, of an older statesman at this point. Yeah. I, I, I was going to run for city council and, uh, last session and, uh, I didn't get, I didn't get the thumbs up per se. So, uh, we'll see the next time go around. Um, I always been in, in politics. Uh, I love politics. I love when you can make a change for people. Uh, it's always been a passion of mine. Uh, you just have to have the time to do that right now. I have kids that are in school and they need their dad. So it's going to, it's going to be a little time before I even make that decision again. But long-term, you think that's, that's one of your aspirations to sit on city council? Yes. Without a doubt. I, uh, you know, I was, I was thinking about, uh, John Hickenlooper who went from restaurant to mayor of Denver to governor of Colorado and, and looks like he's got, he just got elected to the Senate. So oh, wow. you know, you, you've got a little <laughs> bit of a role model. <laughs> uh, well, I, I haven't thought that much of a head, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'll, I'll have you running for president in, in 12 years. Just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll run a whole campaign. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, and then how else are you, uh, I mean, there's so many demands on restaurants to be involved in the community. Are, are there a couple other causes that are really important to you? Well, I sat on the board of Summer House. Uh, I really would like to see a lot of, of my colleague to choose a nonprofit organization uh, to do more in the community. You know, I, I see uh, some restaurateurs, they come in, you know, make the revenue, and then they leave and go to another community. But I would like to see a little bit more involvement from them and their staff and their company to be around and mentor some little kids or uh, high school or, or whatever it may be, but just give a little bit more back to the community. 
And then do you have relationships with other restaurateurs? I mean, do people come to you for advice about opening a business or growing their business? Yes, all the time. Yes, yes, I do have a relationship with them. Yes. What do you tell people? I mean, what are like, I mean, you know, you've been, you've been highly well, for 20 years. It's, it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult. I just tell them they, they got to really love what they're doing. You know, uh, you, you got to be, you know, somewhat of a, a person that you love to come to work and, um, then it'll work out. I mean, like me, I still call, call some of my mentors and get advice all the time. Johnny Carabas is one of them. Uh, so, you know, I sit down in his office and I tell him my issues and he gives me his advice. He's been around for a long time. And that's the key. You go and you find your mentor that's been around for many years and you can kind of stop, you know, a disaster per se, if, if you do that. All right. So I got, so what's like one really great piece of advice Johnny Caraba gave you that shaped your career? Hire good people. I mean, yeah, if you look at Johnny's had people around him for that have been at that Carabas for 30 years, I think. Yes. Yes. Do you have, do you have employees like that? People who've been with you since you yes. started? Yes. Day, day one. Yes. Yes. I have many. I have, um, but over 200 employees wow, and maybe about 30 been with me since day one. All right. What's the secret to keeping employees for that long? <laughs> the secret is keep giving them chances because we all make mistakes again. And that's one of the things that, you know, uh, that I have as a soft heart. I know we all make mistakes and, uh, you know, everybody deserve not only a second chance, but a third chance. Very good. Well, well, let me let me just ask you kind of a, a big picture question. I mean, how do you how do you kind of see the current state of restaurants in Houston, or 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 what are you what are you most excited about in terms of uh, how the future is shaping up? I don't know yet. I, I I mean, I see a lot of the young guys that are been inspired, great chefs, you know, uh, that have been inspired. Uh, uh, like again, this pandemic has really put a hold on a lot of things. So I won't know anything till after, you know, perhaps maybe February or March, if things going to go for the, the good or the worse. Right. Well, I have to say that that brings me to the end of my questions. Is there, is there something you want to discuss that I haven't asked you about? Well, I tell you what, I would like to see a lot of people like you that are doing good things, uh, the magazines and the news people. I would love to see you guys to give that little guy a chance. Put him on a newspaper. You know, when you start seeing the same person, and don't, don't knock me because, it's, you know, it's the same person, but I would like to see the little man get a chance. You know, there are so many good foods. There's so many good restaurants and bars that are out there. If we can just go out there and search them and give them a little notoriety and, you know, a good handshake and thank you. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I mean, give me a, give me a, give me a suggestion. Where, where should I be going that I haven't been yet? Oh, man. And I'll get that phone call as soon as I get off this 
interview. Why do you not use? <laughs> they're out there. They really are. They're out there. And uh, I'm proud of them, and I'm glad they're out there and doing it. I know it's hard, but guys, keep it up. Keep going. Make sure you hire a good staff, a melting pot, and uh, just give back to the community. And you're all good with me. All right. Well, before I let you go, I have to play the lightning round. Five Uh-oh. easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. All right. Gary Mosley, what is your favorite beer on the Onion Creek draft wall? <laughs> My favorite? Oh, man. <laughs> All local beers. <laughs> All right. What is the uh, first band you ever saw in concert? Oh, wow. First band that I saw in concert. That would probably be the Jackson Five. Oh, that's a great answer. What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Oh, man. I would have to say French's. All right. Who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Uh, I would have to say Moses Malone. All right. And then finally... When you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what are your go-to toppings? You know you're getting me in trouble, right? Because I was supposed to be eating healthy. But <laughs> I would say... <laughs> it's cheap day. Was, it's cheap day. Yeah. <laughs> I would say uh, Italian sausage. All right. What is the... Uh, I mean, I know there's a lot of websites. Is there is there an umbrella website for the Creek Group that people can go to to follow to keep up with everything you're working on? Uh, I would think it would be the Creek Group company. Okay. Gary, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me. Appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.